Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We continue our fall sermon series thinking about agreement. Are we supposed to agree 100% of the time on 100% of the things? Or does this passage mean something a little bit deeper than surface level? You're listening to Agree With One Another by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 17. Uh, for those of you who are visiting or have forgotten, this is uh, another in our one another series. So we're getting to the end of that series. Throughout the New Testament, there are these, these words that the Spirit gives us about how we are to treat one another, and um, it's sort of a curriculum for community, and today's one another is agree with one another, which you will hear in verse 10 of our passage. That's found on page 1770 in your pew Bible. Listen. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. This is the word of the Lord. So today's one another's agree with one another, and I think as you heard, that was found in verse 10, right at the beginning of our passage. I would like to reread what Paul calls for the church to do in verse 10, and as I reread it, I want you to answer this question in your own mind. How doable is what Paul, is, is, is Paul's request here? How, how well are we going to be able to accomplish what Paul seems to be asking in verse 10? Listen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united, perfectly united in mind and thought. Is such a thing possible? Can we, this group, agree with one another about everything and be perfectly united in mind and thought, can Paul really mean this? Can we do this? And this isn't the only place in the New Testament where you hear the Holy Spirit asking through the letter writers for this kind of unity of mind. Other examples, Romans 5, Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. Have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, one mind, you may glorify Christ. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you be like-minded. 2 Corinthians 13.11 
Finally, brothers and sisters, be of one mind and be at peace. And also, Acts 4, verse 32, words that you remember when Luke is describing how great the early church was, he says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Are we supposed to be perfectly united in our thoughts and agree with one another about everything? Because, man, we agree, disagree about a lot of things. Politics, COVID policy, LGBT, race relations. Perfect agreement in everything, Lord, increase our faith. The fact is, we've never been good at agreeing with one another. If anything, we've been good at the opposite. We've been really good at taking one small point of disagreement and turning it into a fight. 1529, early October, 12 years after Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door, a group of reformers, people who were all involved in the Reformation, got together in Marburg, Germany. And their goal in this meeting was sort of to come together as all the people of the Reformation and, and present a united front. And a lot of the big names of the Reformation were there. Calvin was not. He was young then. He came just a little bit later. But Luther was there. Ulrich Zwingli was there. Melanchthon was there. Bucer was there. If you're a Reformation nerd, you know all these names. And in order to come to agreement, what they did was they wrote 15 articles 15 articles of faith on the main things that Christians are supposed to agree about. And their goal was that everyone would sign these 15 articles and they'd move together as one. They met for four days. They agreed on 14 of the articles. They agreed on most points of the 15th article. But on one point of the 15th article, Zwingli and Luther profoundly disagreed. And that was about the nature of Christ's presence at the Lord's Supper. So Luther said that Christ's body was actually present with the bread, not like transubstantiation, like the Roman Catholic Church believes, where the, body, the bread actually changes. He believed that Christ's body was actually present in and around the bread, which is called consubstantiation, for those of you who are curious. Zwingli disagreed. He said, no, that's not what it is. The body of Christ is present at the Lord's Supper, but the body of Christ is present as the church. We are the body of Christ. He had a more symbolic view. Luther and Zwingli disagreed so sharply on this point that Luther questioned whether Zwingli was a true brother in Christ, questioned the sincerity of his faith, and famously, as he left the Marburg Colloquy, said, your spirit and our spirit cannot go together. Indeed, it is quite obvious that we do not share the same spirit. One small point of one article out of 15, and it was enough to lead to a fight. This is what we do. This is what we've always done. How can we possibly learn to agree with each other in all things, as Paul seems to call for here? What should we say about this? Well, for one thing, let us look at verse 10 in its context. When you read verse 10 and hear Paul say that we are, should be perfectly united in mind and thought, it sounds like we are supposed to agree about all things 100% of the time. 100% of the things, 100% of the time. 
But if you read that verse in context, it's clear that Paul does not expect perfect agreement all the time. So agreeing with one another doesn't mean that every council meeting has to have 100% of the people voting for a motion and zero against it, or that in a committee meeting, you need, everyone has to vote on the same side and no one can disagree. Okay? It's not lockstep uniformity. How do we know this? Because in the same letter and in other places, Paul makes it very clear that it is okay for Christians to disagree with each other sometimes. In 1 Corinthians itself, Paul recognizes that people disagree about whether or not it's okay to eat meat offered to idols. Some people, you could buy this meat at the marketplace, it had been part of idol feasts, and some people said, oh, you shouldn't buy that if you're a Christian because it's been contaminated by this idol worship. And other people said, no, no, no. An idol is just a block of wood. It's nothing. It can't, has no power over meat. So of course it's okay to buy the meat. So it was this disagreement. And Paul's solution was not to tell them the right answer and have everyone agree on the same thing. Paul's solution was make room for each other. Use your freedom to disagree, to show love. Another place where Paul makes it even clearer that Christians can agree, disagree with each other and it's okay is Romans 14, verse 5. And there Paul says, Some among you consider one day more sacred than the other. Some others consider every day alike. Each of you should be convinced in your own mind. So some of you think that keeping the Jewish feast days is really important. Some of you think it doesn't matter at all. Paul doesn't try to reconcile that. He says, don't judge each other. Learn to live with each other. Be at peace. So Paul's not calling for lockstep uniformity. Agreeing with one another in Christ is not Christian groupthink. But then what is it? Well, as I was thinking about it this week, I thought of something that Rich Mao talked about in his book, Calvinism at the Las Vegas Airport. Rich Mao... Uh, used to be the president of Fuller Theological Seminary. And if you know Fuller, you know that that's a place where there's people from lots of different Christian backgrounds come. So you got Baptists, you got Reformed people, you got Charismatics, you got Pentecostals, you got Anabaptists. So these people all have differences in their theology. And sometimes these people who disagreed with each other would, would find out that Mao was a Calvinist and they'd stop him and probably in a pejorative sense, they'd ask him why he was a Calvinist. You're a Calvinist? Why would you ever want to be a Calvinist? And this is what Mao would say. Well, first of all, he would say, I am a human being. I am made in the image of God like every other human being in this world. But I think that the best way of being a human being is to follow Jesus Christ, to be a Christian. And I think that the best way to be a Christian is to walk in the Protestant line of Christianity. And out of the Protestant line of Christianity, I, I like the way the Reformed people look at things. I like Reformed way of looking at Scripture, the Reformed way of looking at the Bible. And out of the Reformed people, I like the way Calvin thinks about these things. You see what Mao's doing? He's building a tower of agreement he doesn't start with the things up top where people disagree, the things where there are distinctions. He starts at the bottom where there is broad agreement. He doesn't start with predestination or election where things are going to end up in a fight. He talks about common humanity, Jesus Christ. He starts at the bottom, at the foundation. 
So often, when we talk about each other and we talk about other denominations, especially the ones that are close to us, we start up here on the Tower of Agreement. We start with the things about which we disagree. Dad, what's the Protestant Reformed Church? Oh, those are those people who we broke with in 1920s with Herman Huxma, and they don't believe in common grace, and we do. It's all true, but where are we starting? Up here. What about the Presbyterian Church of America? What about them? What, what kind of church is that, Mom? Oh, yeah, they're somewhat like us, but they don't ordain women. Presbyterian Church USA. Oh, yeah, that's that church right down the road. Yeah, they're more liberal than we are, especially on the LGBT issue. I don't think it would be true today, but I know that if you'd have come to my 15-year-old catechism class, when I was in catechism at 15, and you sat us down and said, okay, describe what's a Roman Catholic person, what would we have said? We probably would have said someone who prays to Mary and believes in transubstantiation. Where are we starting? Up here. We start with a difference. We start further up the tower where we disagree with each other instead of starting at the bottom where there are so many things that we agree on in Christ. And it's not that these things aren't important. Right? There's important differences up here. I'm not negating these things. I'm just saying they're not the bottom of the tower upon which we're all standing. You know what it's like? It's a little bit like the framing I talked about last week with respect to forgiveness. Do you remember that? We struggle with forgiveness when we look at the person who hurt us with the frame of, that's the person who did that terrible thing to me. So the first thing we think of when we look at that person is, they hurt me. When we struggle with getting along with each other, we look at each other, and the first thing we think of is that point of difference. So Martin Luther looks at Ulrich Zwingli and says, That's that guy who believes that different thing about the Lord's Supper. We are not of the same spirit. When Paul calls for agreement, when Paul calls us to agree with one another and to be perfectly united in mind and thought, he is talking about foundational things. Read through the rest of chapter 1, and it's really clear that the people in Corinth are fighting. What are they fighting about? I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Apollos. They're fighting about matters of style and presentation. And and Paul's saying, what are you doing? That stuff up here. And where does Paul point instead? To Christ and his cross. Foundational things. I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. You weren't baptized into me. You were baptized into Jesus Christ. He talks about things at the bottom of the pyramid. Because when you are at your feet, on your knees, at the cross of Christ, when you are there feeling the weight of your sin and the weight of your misery, watching him die for you, realizing what he gave up so that you could have freedom, so you could have life, all of a sudden, all those things further up the pyramid, they may be important, but they seem far less central. Over the last, what is it now, 19 months, and all the disagreements that have erupted over the last 19 months, I think we can all admit there have been times where we've walked around and seen each other in terms of the difference, right? 
there's that guy who totally disagrees with the way our church is doing COVID policy. Paul would have us look at each other at the foot of the cross of Christ. To feel and see and know that we're all broken people completely dependent upon his grace. And to let that be the foundation of whatever disagreements arise up the ladder. You know what helps me to look at the rest of you in terms of, of, of those foundational things? Singing. When we're singing together. At the beginning of the service, right, I always end up starting at the back of the church. You guys are here and I'm standing at the back. And Larry, the intro finishes and you know how Larry modulates into the opening hymn and you play the whole stanza and then right at the end you all rise and you start singing the opening hymn, maybe holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. And we possess down the aisle and as we go, um, we can see you. Young and old, man and woman, people we know disagree with each other, all singing the central things of their faith. And then I have the great privilege of coming up here and looking at your faces. And there's palpable energy in the room. And there's people smiling. And there's people in tears if it's a great old hymn of faith. There's always people in tears if it's a great old hymn of faith. And at that moment, we are united because we're singing about things at the foundation. In that moment, we are perfectly united in mind and thought. And it is very good. Amen. Lord Jesus, you know all the things about which we disagree. But today, tonight, this morning, we take our place at the foot of the cross. We feel the weight of our sins and we feel the stronger push of your grace. And with heart and voice in song, we give you praise for the salvation that is the foundation of our life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.